as I uh, shared about what, or as I prayed about what to uh, share with you this weekend, my sense from the Lord was that He wanted me to share something with you related to our nation and the upcoming election. And as I kind of prayed about that initially, I thought He might be wanting me to talk with you about some of the important issues that our country faces. And not really from a political standpoint, we're not really interested in that, but just in terms of uh, uh, not from that kind of motivation, but just in terms of as we look at the choices that we're about to make pretty soon as a nation about who we trust with the direction of our country, as pastors and as spiritual leaders, we are responsible to teach and to equip the people of God to think about what is really important and what the Bible says about certain areas of life that are relevant to our day to day. Things like the value of life. And how us being, according to what statistics you use, some say certainly within the top three to five largest abortion provider nations in the world, that that not only grieves the heart of God, but at some point, I believe if it doesn't change, will become a key part of our downfall as a nation. Things like money and responsibility and a good work ethic. And how if our nation doesn't turn around this idea of enjoying things before we can pay for them and then expecting somebody else to get us out of trouble when we're supposed to pay for it, that math just at some point doesn't work out. And I think that probably is coming pretty soon. Things like the importance of family and how a small minority of people, a small percentage of people in our country have said the same message so many times for decades that many of us don't care or even listen anymore, and now homosexuality does not shock us anymore, and marriage and the home is continuing to be redefined. By the way, you you can mark this down. I said it years ago. There is only one more step for our country to go sexually. And I'm sorry to say it, and I'm not going to describe it, but it's called bestiality. And it may, see, it may seem obvious to you that that is wrong, but it will not be in the future. In fact, just the other night, I was staying up late, and I was watching one of those late shows, and there was actually a skit about that. And those are things that we should talk about in God's family. But as I prayed about it more and more, I sensed that the Lord, at least this time, didn't want us to focus on those specific things as much as looking at the bigger picture in our country. And asking ourselves, what is the best thing that we can do as Christians to make a difference? And to be honest with you, if you really want to boil it all down, it's called prayer. We're going to turn to uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 tonight, and we're going to talk about a nation that needs God. And as we think about that, And as you look with me in those verses, if you will, at verses 1 and 2, I want us first of all to ask this question. Do we understand what is going on? Do we understand the situation in our country? Let's read Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now, I've told you guys before, don't be impressed when I pronounce these Hebrew names. You just say them real fast, and you look very scholarly. I actually, I joke about that this so much, I did look these up, okay? So I think they are pretty close, but don't check me. The words of Nehemiah, I'm pretty sure about that one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekelia, 
Now it happened in the month Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, don't name your child that, that Hanani, one of my brothers and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. Now, as we look at these first couple of verses in Nehemiah, let me give you a little bit of a backdrop. Again, it's kind of difficult. It's easier. You saw when we were recently studying through a whole book of the Bible, it's a little bit easier to kind of have a little bit of context week by week. But here we go. We're kind of dropping into this book of Nehemiah. And so let me give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on. We've got a flashback about, oh, 25, 2600 years ago to about 600 B.C., About 600 B.C. and continuing on for about the next 15 years, the Babylonian Empire continued to dominate and to tear apart Jerusalem. They destroyed Solomon's great temple and they took most of the Israelites into captivity. That's the word that you're seeing in these verses. They were taken out. uh, Another word that's used is the dispersion. Sometimes you'll hear the Jewish people talk about the dispersion. They were dispersed or they were scattered is really what that word means all across the earth, really. The, that was the, uh, the, the tactic of the Babylonian Empire. Then after the, the Babylonians, there were the Medes and the Persians who were kind of combined as an empire. And as we read the book of Ezra, which comes right before Nehemiah, we find out that God worked through that empire, the Medes and the Persians, to allow his people to go back to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, and to begin the process of rebuilding their city. And starting over. Okay, so we kind of get that idea. They were attacked by the Babylonians. They were spread out, taken away. And then when another empire took over, they were able to come back and begin rebuilding. So by the time we get to the story here in the book of Nehemiah, almost 100 years, a century has passed since Ezra's time and since the people had been allowed to begin the process of coming back. The temple had been rebuilt, praise the Lord, though it was with a lot of struggle. But as we see with Nehemiah's relative's report here, it says it's his brother. It could actually be translated kin, okay? So we don't know exactly if this was his brother or just a relative. But as we see in the report, even though it had been 100 years, things were still not right for God's people in Jerusalem. And the reason we know that is because of what Nehemiah does in verse 2. The Bible says that uh, when they came, he asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survive the captivity that we just talked about in Jerusalem. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but let me just paint the picture for you a little bit more. How many of us think about events that happened 150 years ago? I mean, if you want to think about it from our country's point of view, that was the Civil War, people, okay? We just, they were just talking that, I guess, the Battle of Antietam, uh, the anniversary of that was just, uh, was just uh, observed this past week, okay? Not many of us are, are thinking about that, okay? So when you're picturing Nehemiah, you're looking at a guy that is generations removed from all of that beginning to happen. In fact, several generations have been born and lived and raised up their families in a foreign land. But secondly, for Nehemiah personally himself... He was doing pretty well. He was making a good living in that new land that he had found himself in. If you look at verse 11, the Bible gives us a little clue there. It says that he was the cupbearer to the king. Okay, back during this time, kings were always paranoid. You know why they were paranoid? Because people liked to kill them, okay? 
Even their own family would kill them to get to their throne. And so you would have a cupbearer and you would say, hey, I'm about to eat my supper. Would you mind just taking a sip for me? Would you mind just taking a few bites for me? I just want to make sure that someone hasn't put any poison in my food. As you can imagine, the cupbearer was the most trustworthy person in the king's eyes. And I have a little bit of a feeling Nehemiah was probably making a pretty good living. Amen? He was probably doing pretty well for himself. Now the point is this. After these problems had gone on for so long, and after his life personally, really at this point, in some sense, he could have seen it as, you know, my life's not affected by that. My life's not so bad. I could see Nehemiah saying, it's not my problem. Couldn't you? That was a long time ago. You know, we need to just get over that, and I don't really want to mess with that anymore because I'm doing pretty well. You know, there are many of us who probably feel that way about our country and about our people. Doesn't it always seem like there's some problem going on? And doesn't it seem complicated? Listen, I care. I try to pay attention, and even I sometimes zone out. I'm just like, who do you trust? Amen? Who do you believe? I mean, I'm pretty good with reading people. But I mean, all the people that are representatives and politicians, I mean, I can't tell. How about you? I want to believe. I truly, I hope I'm not idealistic. I truly want to believe that there's somebody serving in office that truly is a public what? Servant. I would love to believe that. But I find myself proven wrong more and more. And after a while, you do kind of, you kind of get that way. Who, who can you trust and does it really affect my life anyway? I remember the uh, conventions recently, the national conventions for both the parties. I mean, lately, I kind of go through cycles. Anybody go through cycles? Okay, I kind of go through cycles where I watch a lot of stuff related to this. And then I go through cycles where I'm just like, huh, I can't handle it. Anybody else? I can't handle it. I don't want to see anymore. And that was kind of the way I was at that point with the conventions. I, was, I just don't want to. I did watch some. I want to stay informed. But I, I just couldn't watch as much as I usually do. But I think Nehemiah challenges us to not just check out and get disinterested. Let's think about what are some things in regards to us being Christians that we should think about in order to understand what's going on in our country. First of all, write this down. I need to stay informed. I need to stay informed of what is going on in my country. Do you read the newspaper? Do you listen to the news? Don't, don't think, you know, I don't like stuff like that. Okay, there are people who say, I don't like the newspaper. I don't like to read. Or, I, I know everybody likes something and everybody doesn't like something else. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about this is your country. These are your, more importantly, these are your people. Okay? And so, however you stay informed, this is going to be the place, hopefully, that your kids grow up in. Right? This is going to be the place, this is the place that God has given you the opportunity to serve in. And you know what? If we don't stay informed, if we don't care, it could affect our ability to serve God freely at some point. Right? So we need to know something about what is going on. Don't just check out. Secondly, be discerning. I said that it can get confusing sometimes, can it? Who do you know? I mean, I'm going to try to listen, but how do I know who to believe? 
Well, Nehemiah asked some trustworthy sources, didn't he? He asked his, it says his brother or one of his relatives. Now, even though those may be hard to find, I want to encourage you to try to find to the best of your ability and be, be discerning, but try to find some good sources that you believe with your, you know, some people call it critical thinking, okay? That may be what the world calls it. We understand that, young people. Your teachers talk about critical thinking. Think for yourself, okay? That's maybe the way the world would put it, but maybe the way God would put it is discernment, okay? It's like critical thinking to the max, it's like critical thinking and God backs it up. Because what's cool about God kind of discernment is, you're, it, it's kind of like using wisdom, okay? But it's also uh, God shows us things that I wouldn't be able to figure out on my own. Did you hear that? So what I'm saying is, God, you know my heart. I want to know the truth. I want to know what's real here. I want to know who's giving me straight up. God, will you show me, will you reveal to me, if someone's lying, will you show that they tripped up? You see what I'm saying? God can bring things out that I can't figure out. And then thirdly, know his word. Stay informed, be discerning, but know the word. Now that could be, just as I just said, learning how to think wisely. One of the things people talk about, what do you do in family devotions with your family? One of the things that we do periodically in family devotions is we read through the Proverbs. Okay, because I think to myself, you know what, if I prepare my kids with one thing in life, it ought to be how to make good decisions. Right. And so by reading the Proverbs, you can you you can begin learning how a godly person looks at life and makes decisions in a wise kind of way. Or even specifically about world events. Listen, did you know there are things in the Bible? Did you know there are things in the Bible that are pretty detailed? about what's going on in our world today? I mean, if you don't believe the message of the Bible, how could Israel, that little nation, be such a focal point for the world? That's in the Bible, okay? A lot of the things that are happening in our world today. Now, we need to be careful. Some people get really focused on that and kind of hone in on that, and they try to get super specific about that. Now, there are some specifics, We need to be careful about getting too dogmatic about things that aren't necessarily clear. But there are some clear things. And and I'm just going to kind of give you a passage where some of those things are and tell you what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 24, verse 33, So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that He, the Lord, is near right at the door. Okay? Let me just give you one. The Bible, the way the the Bible seems to indicate that the world events would come to the point of one day Jesus coming back would be that that the Jewish people would have to be a nation. Did you know before that happened, it was still kind of out there in front? But when that happened, I think it was 1949. Somebody help me with that. I think it was 1949. When the Jewish nation in 1948 or 1949, when they became a nation, which is absolutely unprecedented in history, they were a nation, got split up, and then came back as a nation... That was a big thing to say. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Nobody ever thought that was going to happen. Oh, wow. Hello. Something's happening. You see? So by knowing the Word, I'm not saying I know exactly what's happening, but I have a little better idea. You see what I mean? Okay, so as we look at Nehemiah's example, we have to ask ourselves, do I understand Am I clued in? Am I paying attention to what's going on? But secondly, 
We need to ask ourselves, like Nehemiah, do I care about my people? Look at verses 3 and 4. In Nehemiah 1, he says this. They said to me, the report they gave was, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. When Nehemiah asked about the condition of his people, he was told that the remnant, the the small group that had been left behind from the captivity and not taken to Babylon, and then those who had started coming back, they were in, it says, they were in distress, uh, great distress, trouble, adversity. It wasn't going well for them. And it says they were uh, in great reproach. And that means scorn. Basically, that everybody around them, all the other nations around them, thought they were a big joke. Okay? Okay, so what he's saying is, they've been in the process of about 100 years of kind of rebuilding. By the way, if you saw a nation rebuilding for about 100 years, wouldn't you say, hey guys, you know, it's going to take you a while. Don't you think some of the other nations would have said, what are you guys up to? You're not going to make it. And it says, and currently, it's broken down. The wall is broken down. Now, in ancient times, uh, the wall being broken down was representative of the city's security. So it basically meant that Jerusalem was completely vulnerable to being destroyed again. And everybody around, they were just a big joke. It was not a good situation. But what I want to focus on is when Nehemiah heard that, when he got those facts... The Bible says he sat down. Have you ever gotten news before where you had to sit down? In fact, sometimes we say that, don't we? Hey, I got something I need to share with you, but before I do, you better sit down first because this is kind of a what? A biggie, right? Okay, that's what Nehemiah is saying. I mean, he's just overwhelmed by this. In fact, it can also be translated, he sat still. So it says he sat down and he sat still for days. Okay, so get that image. Nehemiah hears about where his people are at. He he crumbles to his seat and it's almost like he said, I couldn't move for days when I heard that. And then the Bible says he kept on crying and mourning bitterly is the way it comes across there. He cried his eyes out. Again, for days. Listen to me tonight. I can't help but read this and ask, is my concern, are you listening? Is my concern for my people like that? You know, when I asked myself that question this week, I have to say to some degree, yes, sometimes, I have to say, I care about my people. I have to say that sometimes I will be at the Civic Center at a hockey game, and I'm just overwhelmed with thousands of people from our country and what is going on in their lives tonight. I have to say that sometimes I'll be on an airplane, and I'll be landing, and I'll look at that window and say, God, wow, I'm just two feet on the ground all the time and seeing a few people, but here I am from a bird's eye view, from maybe even closer to God's eye view, And I look down at all those lights and all those cars and all those houses and all those swimming pools and I think about all those lives and and what's going on in them. and, and I do have that happen sometimes. 
But even then, I don't think it was quite like Nehemiah's. He said he sat down, he stayed there, he was shaken up, crying for days. And I want to challenge you to think about something. When is the last time that you or I shed a tear for our people? You know, I don't know if that statement grabs you like it did me a few years ago. I was in a chapel service, and a man that I respect very greatly, a great man of God, he shared that, and he was just kind of, I don't know, I don't even remember the context of what he was sharing, but in the midst, and this is a scholar, this is a greatly respected across the country, great man of God, and he shared that many nights he lies in bed in tears, thinking about our country and our people, there's so many people in need of the Lord. I want to tell you what, ever since he made that statement, I have not gotten over that. And I lie in bed sometimes at night. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes I'll be driving down the road and I'll see somebody cutting people off in traffic. And I'll, and I'll, I'll just, what's going on in their life? Or I'll see all these. And tonight, I want to challenge you, do we care about our people? And if not, why? What is getting in the way of that? I thought of a few things. I don't know about you, but I'm too busy. It's just not a priority for me. You know, I've got to be honest with you, I hate to admit this, but there's been times that I've missed local elections. I'll get home at night, and Shannon and I will be looking at the returns on Channel 6 or Channel 7, and we'll say, was today election day? I don't know how to figure that out, but the word needs to get out a little better, okay? I don't know about you guys, but, and I'm ashamed of that. I need, to, I need to make it a priority. Are, are you listening to me? I need to make it a priority to know when those things are happening and to make my voice heard consistently to make a difference for my people. Many times I'm just not making, I'm just too busy. Or I'm focused on myself. It's not really affecting me yet. So I'm just not going to worry about it. I don't have time. Or we get cynical. I don't care anymore. <laughs> okay, Sarah, Sarah. Y'all remember that? What's it mean? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Or we're naive. We think it's always going to be okay. Oh, everybody's a handy penny. The sky's a falling. But you know what? They did it back in the 40s. They did it back in the 50s. They did it back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Now today, everybody's, oh, this is the worst election ever. There might be some truth to that. And I try to temper my judgment based on that. But there's a lot of indicators that there really are some big problems. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 6, verse 14, we need to be careful, very careful, especially as a spiritual leader, about saying peace, peace. When there is no peace. When we should be sounding an alarm, we're saying, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And I think that maybe it would help us to understand why Nehemiah felt the way that he did. I believe that Nehemiah had a passion for God. He loved God. And he wanted people to know God. He wanted God's name to be great. God deserves to be known. Amen? The more I get to know God, I mean, there's nothing, there's no negative. He's wonderful. He's life-changing. He saved my life. 
Everything that I have good in my life is because of him. That's the way Nehemiah felt. I want everybody to know him. It should break our hearts for our people. But then our people, we should have a love for our people. These are my people. I, love all the, I should love all the people in the world because Christ came for every person in the world. Thank God for missionaries and thank God he's going to call some of you to go to other places and make those places your people. But wherever you are, you should care about those people. My neighbors, the people I work with. Okay, so you say, okay, Pastor Robbie, I want to care. What are we supposed to do? Let's look at verses 4 through 11. What are some options if we were going to say, what should we do about this? My A number one option is, when in doubt, complain. I love it. It really feeds my flesh. Now, some of you say, what's flesh mean? That's the word the Bible uses for our sin nature. Okay? It just throws gas on the fire. I love complaining. It just feels good. I don't have to do anything. I just complain. Or I can't ignore it. I'm just too busy. Or, or This is one that a lot of people love. Let's look for a conspiracy. Let's just spend our time looking for how somebody's conniving. Now, I'm going to tell you something. And some of y'all, so somebody's going to write me an email. There really are some conspiracies. I'm sure there are. I really am sure that there are. Somewhere. I think probably not as many as some think. I think probably more than we all know. And when we get to heaven... It's going to scare us to death what was going on behind the scenes. But all in all, I can't deal with the conspiracies, okay? Another option is to get involved. I'm so proud of my sister. She got involved and ran for state office in the state of Georgia. And uh, really just, uh, I mean, just, wow, that's what you should do. Not not complain, but make a difference. What did Nehemiah did? He did the best thing we can do. Look at verse 4. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. Now, was fasting. A fasting is a way in the Bible of doing without food for the purpose of giving our attention to God. Okay? I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. What's the best thing the Bible says we can do? The first thing and best thing. What is it? To pray, right? Now, wait just a minute. Let's be careful. As Christians, we know the right things to say. Pastor Robbie says, what should we do? And everybody says, wow, that was weak, if y'all don't know the answer. (laughs) Pastor Robbie says, what should we do? And everybody says, pray. But when's the last time you prayed for our country? When's the last time? And don't count bemoaning or complaining to God, or actually complaining, and, and well, God heard it, didn't he? Okay, don't count that one. When is the last time? Did you know the Bible says, this, I think this is kind of cool. The Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. The book of 1 Timothy is really a book about how we ought to do church, how we ought to live together as God's family. Okay, it's kind of a, a, a guideline for that. Well, in uh, 1 Timothy, um, I'm in the wrong chapter. I think it's 2 Timothy chapter... No, it's 1 Timothy 2. I was just in 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. There it is. First of all, then, I, in, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. 
The Bible says when we're thinking about church, one of the first things we ought to think about is how to pray together. And one of the first things we ought to think about praying about is our nation and its leader. By the way, we're coming up on next Friday, a night of prayer. I want to challenge you, if you are concerned about our nation, to make it a priority to be here for a night of prayer. For our nation, for your life, for your family, for our church family. We're entering into, it's starting a time, there's Christians all over the country that are praying for the next 40 days up till the election. We're entering a time where for 40 days, and we're going to challenge you to be a part of that. And we're going to give you the names of our local and our state and our national elected leaders. And we need to practice what God's Word says we ought to be doing. Amen? Okay, you might say about how. How do I pray for our country? Look at what Nehemiah did as a great starting point. In uh, verse 5. He said, I said this, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, and they were, I will scatter you, and he did, among the peoples. But if you return to me, God promised them, and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, far away from home, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I've chosen to cause my name to dwell, which is Jerusalem. They are your servants, Nehemiah says, and your people whom you redeem by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name. So there were others who were praying. And make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Write these down. Here's some starting points for your prayer. First of all, Nehemiah, we've seen, cried out to God. What does crying out say? God, I beseech you. I don't use the word beseech often. What would be another word we'd say? I beg. God, I beg you. God, please, please hear my prayer. Secondly, he told God how great he was. That's a great place to start. We usually start with problems. We should start with the Savior first. God, I just want you to know, (laughs) I'm coming to you in need here, but I I just want to say to you first, you are the great and awesome God, and nothing is too difficult for you. Are you coming in faith believing that God could change our country? Thirdly, he was humble. He said, God, please open your ears. Please open your eyes and see what I'm saying, God. Fourthly, he was persistent. He prayed when? Day and night. I wonder sometimes if God says to me, Robbie, how important is this really to you if you talk to me about it once every six months? You know what I mean? And we, I don't say that for us to feel guilty, or, but to be challenged. It challenges me. How important is it if I just mention it to God every once in a while? Fifthly, he included himself in the problem. Okay, Christians, listen up. 
Christians love to use the word they. They need to get right with God. They've got a problem. They need to get their act together. You know what the Bible says? I have a problem. I need to get my act together. Amen? Number six, he looked to God and his promises. He said, God, remember you said, if we look to you, even though our situation is very bleak, if we look to you, you would answer us and save us. And then the number seven thing is he made himself available. Okay, now here's where the rubber meets the road. As Nehemiah was praying, he began to understand, oh my goodness, I think I know why God has shown me this, because I actually have a position of influence greater than anyone else in this country. Now understand, even though Nehemiah was very influential, if you looked at the king wrong, he could have you killed. If you came into his presence not looking pleasant, you could be killed. So you wouldn't exactly be bringing up things to him, you know? Nehemiah says, as I think about this, Lord, give me strength because I think I see how I can make a difference. And you've given me the opportunity to do that. Help me to do it. God probably has some things that he can do through you. Are you willing like Nehemiah? You know, I think Nehemiah and the Israelites would have said, thank God I was born into this nation. I think they would have said, God has a special plan for our people. I think they would have said, but we have gotten far away from God, and it has cost us. And I think they would have said, dear God, help us. That sounds a lot like America, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like the Northeast. The question is, will you and I be a part of the solution? It starts one heart and one decision at a time. If you think our country is in trouble, don't worry about everybody else. First, start with you. Have you ever heard 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17? It says, it is time. It is time for judgment to begin. It is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. I'm going to share with you the honest truth from my heart. I really believe many people in our country are hungry for answers. And I really believe that if it doesn't happen in the next few years that our country turns around, I think it's the church's fault. Because I think God has opened up a wide open door of opportunity. And instead of complaining and all the other things that we want to do to avoid it, if we'll just say, God, help us and use us. Amen? Would you allow Jesus to be a part, for you to be a part of helping a nation in need. You say, Pastor Robert, what's one person? Duh. We just talked about one person for the whole message. What can God do with one person? And I just happen to think there's a lot more than one in this room. Maybe you're the first one. 
You know what I'm going to do at the end of the service tonight? I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward and just kneel down front and let's just pray. Let's just get a jump on next Friday's prayer night, okay? Why don't you just come join me up front here? Let's just do that right now. Pastor Jeff comes. I'm going to invite you just to come. If your heart is broken over our people now, would you say, God, I hear what you're saying and I care. I don't know what to do about it. But God, if you'll speak to me, if you'll use me, I'm available. Right now, why don't you just come? Just come on, stand up. You say, Pastor, we're not standing yet. Somebody's going to be looking at me. Why don't you be the first one? Why don't you start it? Let's just come. Let's just get on our knees before the Lord.